0: What's up, you guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rocky Cast. Today, we're going to discuss the work habits of Weston Noble, one of the most consequential and towering figures of the 20th century. And we're going to talk about how I know Weston Noble, what he meant to me, and most importantly, what were those little granular atomic habits that he did every single day that transformed a relatively modest a um, small liberal arts college in Decorah, Iowa, Luther College, and to one, really one of the leading liberal arts colleges of the Upper Midwest, especially. Weston was someone who was humble, but in his humility, he was incredible. And I had the opportunity during my two years in Nordic Choir to directly observe what made him so great. And so the lessons we're going to offer today aren't only of relevance if you want to get in to be a fire director they really apply to almost anything and you know we've I've covered Weston a lot and I'm going to continue to cover Weston a lot he's going to be one of these reoccurring figures because you really can't pack everything that you learned with Weston Noble into one podcast you could almost do a separate standalone podcast on Weston Noble. Um, his his experience in world war ii growing up in iowa his work habits his faith his spirituality his writing it's just an endless font his views on positivity his his exuberance his humility the list goes on and on but for this particular podcast we're going to talk about his work habits and i think that's interesting i'm fascinated by habits um in particular um one impactful author for me has been james clear author of atomic habits um it's a book that is an changed my life completely. Please buy that book. um, uh, You can check it out at rockandcole.com and buy it through Amazon and I'll get a portion of the proceeds, but wherever, just buy it. It's so good. My favorite quote from James Clear that applies uh, directly to Weston Noble is that each action that you do is a vote for who you want to become as a person. And Weston demonstrates demonstrated that over and over and over again. The actions that he took transformed Luther College into this incredible institution and are still creating abundance. And that's when you know someone has lived a consequential and abundant life, when even after they're gone, their message lives on. And I'm going to share some of the music that he's inspired I'm going to share um, a moment with actually some friends of mine that just demonstrates how Weston continues to impact all of us. And how did he do this? And I think what really makes this miraculous, I hope you have a chance to to review my um, podcast on um, Bruce Lee and Weston Noble. And one thing that Bruce Lee and Weston Noble both shared was, is they have this really belief that we all have these superpowers. We can all be Weston Noble. We can all be Bruce Lee. Now, I don't know if we can really be Bruce Lee. You know, I don't know if we can all be Weston Noble. I mean, these are top of the top people. But I think both Bruce and Weston really believe that we all have this greatness that just lies dormant within us. You know, one of the things a lot of you have noticed that I've become very healthy, and and I have, I've, I've learned a lot, a lot in the health space. One concept I really like is this concept of epigenetics, which is we have all these genes that can be unlocked through certain types of stressors that will give us superpowers, you know, incredible athletic ability, incredible, incredible cognitive performance, and we'll be covering all of those. I've I've done a lot of those, um, part, of, you know, so but that's going to be another one. We're, we're we're just too much to cover. We're getting too excited here, but Weston did believe that every single person had the power to be transformed and touched by music and he did that time and time again and i don't think there's anyone on campus at luther college and really throughout anyone throughout the Upper Midwest, throughout the world that hasn't been completely transformed it's virtually impossible to go to one of weston's concerts and he died a couple years ago Um, I believe it was 2018 is when he passed away, but but if you went to any of his concerts, it's virtually impossible to get through without it completely being a life-changing moment. And I was in this choir for two years, and there was not one time where I wasn't completely inspired by Weston. So can we become Weston? Well, I don't know if we can become Weston, but I think we can learn from Weston from what he taught us because he's continuing to inspire me. His message he is with us he is present yeah he is he's like a saint he really is i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to the catholic church and petition to make weston noble this saint because i think he has it within him so what made weston weston and um that's going to be a very important topic because um Okay, people, you're just gonna have to listen to the dog barking. I don't have a big studio; I just have the outdoors and the sunshine. So just just deal with the dog barking. Um, and this is the thing we learned from Wes. we gotta we gotta be positive and do with what we have. And I have a porch and a patio, and that's where I record my podcast. So how do I know what he did? Well, um, when I, I some of it's just direct observation. Um, I was inquired for two years and I saw his rehearsals every day. I was on the tour buses with Weston and I saw directly what he did, how he did things. So I know how he put together things. And some things I'm inferring um, I don't have direct evidence of but I can see the footprints of it. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those things that I, I didn't directly observe but I'm virtually positive that, that he actually did. So before we get started in terms of his habits, his work actions, let's talk a little bit about who Weston was as a person, what made him so amazing. Weston did not come from Blue Bloods. Um, he was just this humble little guy that was born in Riceville, Iowa. And in his biography, he talks about um, his autobiography, he talks about how he got to Luther, and how, he, how he you know, was his farm kid who you know, loved music, and he didn't really know where he wanted to go. Um, he thought maybe he'd go to University of Iowa, but he got connected to Luther College and he came there and along the way, um he was a tank driver during the Battle of Bulge, and one of these times i'm so he's a sort of a tough guy, like he's this sweet guy, but he's a tough guy, and I love that. I sort of have this passion for people that are super, super nice and beautiful and wonderful, but also really tough. I have a friend of mine who is like He's like a quintessential nice guy. He was a former Marine. And I'm telling you, like, you would want this guy in a bar fight. Well, Weston, seriously, you'd probably want Weston in a bar fight. Like, he's a tank driver. He took on Nazis. Like, West, I'm going to do a separate one on Weston. So stay tuned for that one. Weston in the Battle of the Bulge. That's going to be really, really cool. So, but he was this humble guy from Riceville, Iowa, that became world renowned. And I'm not joking. He knew all the heavyweights of the choir scene. Robert Shaw, you know, the, what is it, Bill Warland, Dale Warland singers, like all the, big, all the big shots, all the hot shots in the choir world knew Weston Noble. And everyone, all the choir directors, everyone knew him. Everyone wanted to sing. With them. And at Luther College, when I was there in the mid-90s, and I would say, well, how did you come to Luther? And almost to a T, even athletes sometimes would say, well, Weston called me. Weston sent me a note. He touched every heart. So, the big picture habit that Weston did, and first I'm going to start some different types of habits. Um, but he talked a lot about in his work, and we covered this a little bit in the Bruce Lee podcast with a Bruce and Weston connection. Um, you know, habits of the mind, habits of the soul, habits of the body. And some of these habits that he had, he combined all three. And so, we're, we're not going to be able to cover all of them, but I wanted to co- talk about first off, habits of the mind and spirit in which he combined all three. And so the first habit I'm going to cover is, is Weston's habit of positivity. And I think I'm a believer that habitivity is something that can arise from the actions that we take. And yes, we all have different moods, but Weston I think practiced positivity it was a habit it was an action I think it's something he willed himself to you know I don't remember who I was talking to um, but you know you think I, 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 I saw his positivity I saw his energy but I think I talked to someone who Weston and actually in the early 70s where he was the band director and the choir director I think almost almost was sort of close to Weston was a completely lit soul, and everything he did was connected to that, that purpose. And as I talked about, in, his, in the early 70s, he was actually sort of stressed out. Um, I think he almost maybe had a nervous breakdown. And it makes sense. You know, I think about in terms of preparing for a trial or anything like that, he was actually under a lot of pressure you know, when you talk about being on the Messiah, every year he would put on this great um, work called the Messiah and he would put on you know, Yuletide and he had to prepare for tour and he had to recruit. So he had to do all of these different things. And I think he, he it was tough for him. You know what I mean? So I'm sure he had those moments of fear, anxiety, um, but, he, but he always sort of exuded this just sense of joy and confidence And he knew exactly where he wanted to go. He was in complete alignment with what his purpose was. And I don't know if he ever wrote down a purpose statement, which I encourage you all to do, but Weston, what he did is that he spread joy and wonder and beauty to everyone um, who his life touched. And I think that 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 was what animated him to share his faith with everyone. And his positivity was something that really connected his mind, his soul, and his spirit. It's something that he practiced. It was his North Star. And you felt that each time you went in for a rehearsal. Can you imagine being in a career or um, the activity that you're engaged in or the person you're with or whomever where it's like you cannot believe every single day that you get to do what you do. You get to be with who you want and you, you in, a, in every single day. And that's what Weston did. I think he had a practice of prayer and gratitude. Now this is something that I don't know directly, but I, I, I can just feel it. I can infer that he did because of how I observed when he actually got into practice. I think every day he prayed and every day he expressed gratitude. And you know that scene in Sound of Music where uh, Maria von Trapp like prays for each of the von Trapp children. I know in my heart that that's what Lesson did to his Nordic choir people and various parts of Luther College. I think he would pray for people and I think he would express gratitude for people that had helped him along the way. Uh, the students that he relied on, he usually had a really good student leadership team. The students that he knew that were struggling, um, not everyone that was in Nordic choir was a music major. And I think he knew from time to time that they were going through transformations in terms of questioning their faith and their direction and their purpose. You know, It's tough for young people to figure out the direction they wanna do. I think Weston said a daily prayer uh, of of thanksgiving and gratitude that he was able to do what he did. I think he also um, said it for direct people and that he um, directly directed his energy every day to that. Now, did he have a journaling practice? I bet he probably did. And again, this is something I'm just inferring, but the way in which he combined so many different moving parts, and he was incredibly dynamic um, in terms of how he actually did that. So, what I want to basically talk about is, is that with this sense of exuberance and, and, and positivity that he radiated to the choir, of course, it was contagious for the choir. So each rehearsal was 60 minutes long. And one of the things, one habit that Weston had was, is to use every single minute of that hour, right? And so every single minute was done through both direct rehearsal to get warmed up, to get started. Um, he, he knew exactly where he wanted to go for that rehearsal. And a lot of times what he would do is that if we finished one thing and we still had five minutes left, he would use it. He would take advantage of it. We'd start something new. So every single minute was actually used. And, and I think the reason why he was able to do it is because he knew where he wanted to go. He knew what the purpose was. You know, so much, I think it begs the question, you know, Simon Sinek is one of these guys that's on YouTube and he does a lot of self stuff. But he always says that, you know, you gotta, you gotta ask the why question. And I think what it's sort of, the question is, is one, why do we waste so much time? Some of it's because we're lazy. um, We need downtime. You know, I think some performance theorists talk about the 80-20 principle, that actually 20% of the time, you really need to be hyper-focused, working really hard. And eighty percent, you need the. It's okay to be a little bit, you know, lazy, right? So that's okay. But during that twenty percent, when you're doing those high-performance activity, you really do have to have a laser focus. And so, why do we waste so much of even that time—the time when we should be hyper-focused? I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, Some of it is, is if we're not in alignment, we're not good at what we do. Um, We're not advancing our cause. If we're not focused um we're, we're we're focusing on something else that does light our soul not weston weston's soul was lit it was it was this burning fire that he had within him and he loved every single day and when he would walk into choir practice it was like it's like he couldn't even imagine the joy that he was about to experience for that hour and do you think that was contagious for the students that were singing with him? I mean, oh my goodness, Weston exuded positivity. Now, some of them may be thinking, oh, this is sort of like, I don't know, uh, this is a little too, this is a little too positive. I'm negative. I'm a negative person. Okay, that's fine. We all have different affects. But I do think it can be practiced. And Weston did it. He willed himself to it. Because I, Again, I think he did struggle. and I, And I know I've heard this, especially when he was both the band and choir director in the early 70s. I, I think he had he had to step back from that and he had to focus then on Luther Choir. And I think that's what he did to create this just incredible program. But let me share one vignette in terms of how positive, talking about seizing the moment. When he was in World War II, he wrote letters back home. And so we actually have a pretty good documentary, you know, treasure trove of documents from Weston during World War II. So that, that's why I'm going to do a separate Weston-Noble at the Battle of the Bulge. So stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a good one. But there is this time where question's right in the middle of the Battle of the Bulge, right? This this huge counteroffensive by the Germans in World War II, where it's basically their last gap to try to like divide the Allies, knock them back on their heels. And this is after they, the D-Day invasion and basically into the December of 1944. Really, in through January of 1945, the Nazis' last gasp was to put everything they had to try to divide the Nazis, put them on their heels, and maybe sue for peace. And they almost did it. I mean, and they totally caught them off guard. And Weston was in the thick of that fighting. And he actually, you know, took his tank and was involved in combat to to Berlin. I mean, so much so that he actually went to Hitler's office and took took a sledgehammer and broke off a chunk of Hitler's desk. Cool. I'm telling you, Weston is like, and I know this because he told this to me. He lost it when he uh, set it back, but so it's pretty cool. And he also got some other war booty, which we won't talk about. But so Weston is in the middle of the Battle of the Bulge and, you know, in really thick of it. And his letters home, here's how he describes it. He's like, Germans gave it to us pretty good last night. Oh, but I must say, aside from that, I mean, some of the boys took it hard. But I went to this little local church and I asked the local wrecker there whether he could allow me to play the organ. And I thought, well, I just have to play the organ. So I played the most delightful Bach on this little church as we went through. And I'm just how many tank drivers played the organ but but weston did so i mean weston even in the midst of battle kept his exuberance his positivity his joy his faith because i think that he viewed life as a complete gift and that even in the middle of battle when he's fighting nazis i mean you know we, we use the term nazis like oh you're a nazi weston fought nazi let weston, weston defeated nazis weston is what weston's a tough guy He he's up there with bruce lee um but Weston, practice positivity. And I think that's so important because I, c- can you do anything well if you're not positive? I don't think you can. I, I, I don't think you can. Um, and I think a lot of times people chafe at that because they think they're gonna be Pollyanna or that you can't hold people accountable. And they cite people that are successful that are negative. You know, like I think Steve Jobs would be a good example of that. But, but I think the question is, is was that necessary? Um, to, to achieve greatness, and I think for every example of Steve Jobs, I, I think he achieved that in spite of it. I think he had a good sense of design and technology, and I think he could have done the exact same thing without this just sort of weird affect that he had. Now Weston. Weston achieved great things through pure positivity and joy. So that, that's a little abstract, um, you know, so what are, what are some of the more habits that are more concrete that Weston did um, one of them is, is that he stacked functions. Okay, what do I mean by that for his habits? He found those habits, I guess, maybe the other way to call it would be, you know, we've talked about before in our podcast, Keystone Habits, those one things that line up and achieve a lot of other things. It's also a concept from permaculture, where you have one activity in your farm or your agricultural design that achieves multiple objectives. So for example, the apple tree, one apple tree, what does it do? It provides food, apples, which in turn provides health. It provides shade, it provides wood, it provides beauty, it provides pollination, it enriches the soul. Well, it does enrich the soul, but it also enriches the soil. It provides food for animals. And it provides a place for the birds to be, just like you hear today. Right near, I have an apple tree right near me, and those are the birds that you hear in that apple tree. One thing achieving multiple objectives. And, and, and Weston had all sorts of these keystone habits that he did. But I want to identify one that's sort of counterintuitive and has nothing to do with choir. Weston picked up trash. Yep, that's how most people knew Weston. Not, not because of, there's a lot of people on campus who are like, oh, that guy's a car director. That guy's world famous. He's a, he picked up trash. That was his hobby. And they'd say like, well, why did he do that? Was he just trying to be a do-gooder? Well, yeah, of course he was. He lived a life of service. You know, a lot of us talk about that, but Weston did it. But why did he pick up trash? So well, I never interviewed him about that. I never have Pat asked him like, Weston, well, why did he pick up trash? But it doesn't really take a lot of imagination to see why Weston did it is that one, again, he loved Luther. He loved, he lived his life with a sense of joy, positivity, purpose, and service. And even though he was world famous, he did not believe that he was too good for anyone else. He believed he was, it was true servant-oriented leadership. He was not above up picking trash. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, that's not in my job description. I got, you know, you have to start at the top. Even when Weston was at the top, he picked up trash and and really provide an example to the rest of of campus. But what about all these other things that he achieved while he was picking up trash? Well, the first thing that he achieved was exercise. Luther college, for those of you who don't know it is situated on a bluff and then right below it is a river valley. And of course we have staff, like it's not like, excuse my language, I'm gonna swear again. And my sister doesn't like it when I do this, but but I've got to. Luther College isn't a shithole. I mean, they have staff. So there was not a lot of garbage around. So where was the garbage? Okay. Well, the garbage tended to be on a lot of the, there's a lot of wooded valley sides along the, along the campus. And this would be something where our, our terrific staff at Luther might have not just seen, or the kids that were out partying the night before may have just thrown it down. So he would actually, you know, go down these valley sides and pick up trash on the valley sides that were hard for the staff. And, and maybe some of the staff just couldn't see it. But he would climb these valley sides. And so you think about the exercise that he was getting, total exercise. The other thing, too, is that these, these wooded valley sides is sort of cool because there's sort of these mysterious places where they're right near campus, but no one's there. So he had these little moments of zen tranquility amidst the haste of Luther College. And so a lot of times when people would see him climbing up the side, getting exercise. Can you imagine the cardiovascular that he got, the muscle that he got, um, all from picking up trash. So that's one thing. He got a lot of exercise. The second thing was, is that to de-stress. Again, it, it, you know, it only occurs to me as an adult. And you think of like, oh, we'll be an acquired director, be sort of chill. And, and he did, he absolutely loved what he was doing. It was probably stressful. And there were times I think he was running around like a chick with his head cut off. Like he had so much to do. And Luther's a fantastic college. And he did have assistants and he had people that helped him out. But I mean, there's only so, many help, so much help he could get. I mean, professors don't have a fleet of assistants. And so Weston um, did need to, um, you know, did, he needed to do a lot of this stuff. I mean, he, he did the phone calls. He did the, the postcard writing. So he was stressed out, you know, and it was, he is under pressure because, you know, you go to Yuletide, everyone's expecting, and that's the yearly event that they would do and and Messiah, they don't do it anymore, but these huge events that everyone looked forward to and he had to pull it off. He was the MC, he was the master of ceremony. And what was it? It was also de-stress. It was Zen. So it was something that he could routinely do. That even you know, after a full day of you know choir directing and recruiting and faculty and all that stuff, he could walk with his plastic bag and he could de stress. So that was the other objective. So we have exercise that he achieved with trash collecting. It was de-stress. I think he probably had a lot of his best ideas and the tranquility of those little wooded meadows along the valley side because he was getting his cardiovascular, which, which activated his mind and activated his soul. The third thing it did, and I, I I never talked to him about this, but I'm sure Dollars to Donuts, he ran into other people um, on, on campus, other students that, that he may be invited to sing in the choir, other faculty members that he co-collaborated co-collab- on. He was really good at like collaborating with other faculty. Um, Steve Jobs calls these things creative collisions, um, where essentially you have, and he would actually design the bathroom so people could run into each other and have a lot of these best ideas occur then. And so he had these constant creative collisions with people from all walks of life throughout campus. So he was in the music building, which was the Jensen Hall of Music. But by collecting the trash... He was throughout campus. And you think about it, when you're trash collecting, does that make you un- unapproachable? Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm really, a, I'm afraid to approach that trash collector. No, he was, he was usually, he would wear these white tennis shoes and these slacks. And, you know, these are the sorts of things that it was like, um, he, he was approachable. I mean, anyone could talk to Weston Noble. And so he had these creative collisions um, by, by picking up trash. And the fourth thing, obviously, is is that he kept a clean campus because he loved Luther College, um, and he lived in total service. Uh, you know, I don't know how often he, um, you know, even took a salary, and if he did, I think he just usually donated a lot of it because he lived so simply. But he kept the, the campus clean. And fifth, what does it do? to the to the campus morale you know a lot of times faculty members my dad is faculty member. he was pretty low I mean he could be high maintenance in other areas but he was one of these faculty guys that sort of just you know he sort of did what he did and whatever but a lot of faculty are like oh you know I have this great work and no one no one appreciates my view of of Immanuel Kant and you know I've all these all these new ideas and these things that I shouldn't have to do right so this is this is one of the by the way this is sometimes a problem you guys not Western. What did it do to the campus morale when, you know, someone at the faculty lounge just said, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have to do this committee because, you know, I went to wherever. And, you know, Luther, you know, um, it's pretty prestigious. It's not like Carlton and Grinnell, but it, ha- it had people that, you know, went to Big Ten universities for the PhDs and some went to Harvard, some went to Yale. So it did have some of that pedigree. And I think, and there were some egos, you know, with faculty, they can have some egos, but what did it do to campus morale? When the most famous person, I mean, Weston is the John Wooden of Luther College, Mm -hmm. by far, by far the driving force of Luther College, and could have probably demanded a pretty handsome salary had he, and I think he got paid well, but, you know, he could have been a diva more than he was. When the most important person picks up trash, what does that do? You don't talk about service. And I admit, that, that's sort of a problem with me. I mean, I can admit that. I'm a talker, right? I think I need some action too, though, so I'm not going to beat myself up too much. But Weston, it was through action. So he demonstrated that he was willing to do whatever it took, including picking up trash for Luther College. Can you imagine how much that meant to the staff that didn't necessarily get recognized? Because they're just as important too So he was telling every single staff member, the ones that worked in the food service, the ones that um, cleaned up the halls, that their work was important too, and that all vocations really mattered to the institution's um, central purpose. And so I'm sure there was a lot of faculty members that really appreciated what Weston had done. So that's key, stack functions. Pick an activity that achieves multiple objectives. The third habit he had was, and it's sort of related to the stacking functions issue, was to to not waste any time and to be productive during um, unnecessary downtime, right? So we would do these choir tours every year and we'd do a big one that was usually like two to three weeks we do that every year and it was usually held during january term and there would be two buses and the students we would do whatever I mean, i'd read or we'd play cards we'd make fun of each other and yell and one of the interesting things about weston i don't think i ever heard him tell us to quiet down it wasn't because we were totally behaving every second i think he sort of realized he knew students he knew young people we needed to get stuff out of our system And that's part of the fun of tour is laughing and giving each other a hard time on the fire bus. But what would Weston be doing? Instead of wasting this time, he would be writing individualized postcards to future students. So can you meet, can you imagine being a student in Trayer, Iowa and getting a postcard from Weston Noble when they're in, you know, Medford, Oregon or Sacramento, California, or, uh, Moscow, Russia, can you imagine what that must have been like to get an individualized postcard from Weston and again, if you were to ask people on campus in the mid nineties, nearly every single one would say, "Ah, oh, Weston recruited me I and mean, it's sort of true, but not everyone was in Nord choir, but he he made people believe that he could, and he meant it because he did believe that every single person had this greatness within them, and he wanted to share that with them in a real and meaningful way. And here's the other thing too, you think about when essentially you say, I want you to come and sing on the Luther College campus and experience this magic that we're going to create and co-create together. Do you want to do that? Now you'd think a lot of times with expectations where you have this huge expectation like, oh my gosh, I'm going to experience magic and community and joy and spirit purpose-driven leadership at this institution. But then the question is, is can you deliver? And here's where I get chills. Yes. It was better, better than I thought it would be to the 10th degree. So not only did I have high expectations, but when I, when I found out that I was part of it, of Rota Choir, it was more, way better than I thought, completely transformational. And that was what he did. And he made the, he touched every single heart. Now I was not, you know, I'm not a professional musician. I do have a resonant based voice, but I was not a superstar. But he made me feel like I was important. He made everyone feel like they were important because that was his magic. He did not waste any time and he always stacked functions, so while the rest of us were yelling and screaming, whatever, he just quietly sat up in the front of the bus. And he was so cute. He had this beautiful script, and he would write these letters saying, oh, dear Joe Smith, can you imagine singing with us on the West Coast? I would sure like to have you join us sometime. I hope you're having a wonderful time in Treyer. And so he'd always remember where they were from. So then when they would make the choir he would say Riceville or "Treyer" or Minneapolis. He always remembered where people were from because he did, he touched every heart. So he lifted every voice, he touched every heart. And I think here's really the most important part is that, and this is the take home. He planted these seeds of joy and beauty that still create abundance long after he was gone. And I think to me, that is the sign of a life well lived. You know, right now, for those of you that have tuned into the Rocky cast, I have infinite gratitude for every single one of you who have tuned in, especially if you've made it this far. And that's really what my glow is. I want to be able to leave these so even after I'm gone, you know, people can get benefit from them. And and part of that is the inspiration of Weston Noble. So I'm going to close with a little bit of a vignette and a song that you, you cannot. Uh, Totally love, and my my goal is for you to ratchet up the numbers on Spotify. Um, But he did. He, He even now he's creating joy in my heart. He's no longer with us, and I think if you listen to Nordic Choir, it's what he created. You will experience joy, and that's the joy and abundance that he created through his daily habits of positivity, alignment, and living out his life's purpose. This lit soul that we keep on talking about. So I recently had lunch with a close group of Luther guys um, and we talked about a new choir director at my church Zion Lutheran Church which by the way I'm so excited to be going back to Zion can't wait to start going back. I haven't have been going to the, the zoom sorry zoom for church not not doing that I, I don't need do, I don't I don't do tv church so I'm not blaming Zion by the way I'm just saying that's me I like the person so I'm going to go to Zion we were talking about the new choir director at Zion Church, and he happens to be a Luther grad and one of my friends, Chris, was like, "Oh my gosh, with this choir director, I can see the imprints of Weston Noble and Tim peter and he in, in the way that he directed, and Weston had this very unique way of directing, and he um, It was just sort of it was really sort of touched my heart because you know you think about the little he had very distinct mannerisms and when my friend Chris was like yeah you could actually see these mannerisms in this choir director and I you know it's sort of funny I've been going back and forth about whether I'm going to join the choir there and I I, I'm trying to avoid big time commitments so I can focus on stuff like the Rocky cast but gosh if there's a Western connection it's going to be really hard for me not to do it um but so here he is. He's he's in heaven right now. He's in that internal place of um, bliss where you know we don't, which we don't fully understand whether we're turning to dust or atoms or, or back to our eternal creator. That's where Weston is, wherever that is. But he's still with us, and he's still creating this incredible abundance. And so I think it's fitting to close this particular podcast with the music of Weston Noble. And this isn't actually. Um, a selection from when he was choir director but it was by um, a friend of mine Andy Lass who was in Nordic with me and is now the director of of, uh, Nordic Choir Director of Luther College and the reason why I bring this up is that um, Andy has done such a marvelous job of recapturing some of the best parts of the legacy that Weston um, left us and I can see so much of uh, Andy, in our Weston, in Andy, uh, in terms of his positivity, his understanding of the Lutheran music tradition. But at the same time, Andy has also moved the um, the, the choir in new directions. So he's maintained the tra- traditions, but he's also innovated. And one of the songs that you can hear on Spotify is called Long Time Traveler. It's a, it's a cover by the Wailing Jennings. And on Spotify, it has less than a 1,000 views. I hope or you've got to listen to this. If you want to experience the joy of Weston Noble, and you know one of his top students, Andy Last, listen to this song. And this is, when you talk about a lit soul, it's easy to talk about it, but to listen to it and to listen to this joy and abundance that he still creates, that is, that's incredible. So, friends, I hope I hope this, this podcast has been as meaningful for you to listen to as it has been for me to put it on. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm hoping that you'll leave me positive uh, reviews on Spotify, um, on Apple iTunes, and that you'll keep spreading the word. I am promoting, I'm going to do more promotion of the podcast, but I, I, for the most part, want it to be word of mouth. I want it to be person to person, heart to heart, soul to soul, uh, because that's the goal of this particular podcast is to spread my sense of joy and wonder and what I've learned to you, so that you can live more purpose-driven abundant lives much in the same way that Weston really helped me to do that. We're all sort of, you know, like, um, Andrew Weil searching for, um, for Ma's last theorem where we're, we're all in these caverns and we're all trying to figure out where, where to shine the light, you know? So I'm trying to shine the light on what I've learned, what I've experienced, um, what I'm experiencing, so that we can co-create together. And I have infinite gratitude to every single one of you who have tuned into the Rocky Cast. I hope that you continue to tune in. We're gonna to continue to have um episodes on health, on habits, on Wesson Noble, on Bruce Lee. Uh, we're gonna have one on Jack Johnson, the all-time badass. I and mean, you guys are gonna love this one. This is gonna be really good. So um, thank you so much for tuning in to The Rocking Cast, and we'll continue to produce great content for you. Not as much lately. We've been a little bit more busier lately, but we're going to continue on with each one of these episodes. and so infinite gratitude to all of you, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week, day, and that you continue to tune in uh, to The Rocking Cast. So thank you for, so much. Until next time on The Rocking Cast.